friends. Welcome to the Katie and Me podcast. Today is episode nine. It is March 25th, 2020. I am here with my great friend and podcasting partner, Katie Rogers, and we are trying something different today. Due to coronavirus, we are actually conducting our podcast via Zoom. So we can see each other, but we are practicing social distancing. Katie, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm still going to make faces at you this whole time, just like we're across the table from each other. Well, that's, I mean, that's what we do. That's the only way that we're able to survive and let each other know what it is that we're trying to say. Mm -hmm. So today we're going to do things a little bit differently today, mainly because you just got back from Europe and I really want to talk to you about a a bunch of things. Uh, You were traveling right in the midst of when the breakout really started getting traction in the United States and you were having to go through customs and you were in uh, London and Paris. And there's just a whole lot of things that I want to get your perspective on. Instead of us splitting time, most of this episode is going to be dedicated to Katie. And I promise I will try and shut up and just ask the occasional question. But um, it'll, be, it'll be a nice change. You guys won't get bored by my, by my droning on as much. So with that, Katie, why don't you tell us a little bit about, A, what prompted you to go to Europe in the midst of this? And then all your adventures trying to get back. Well, um, the trip had been planned for a long time. I'd gone through a bunch of stuff. And I was very lucky that some friends, one in particular, enabled me to go on this trip. And as much as I've traveled domestically, I've traveled very little outside of the U.S., only a couple of times and never to Europe. So I was really excited about the trip. And, you know, leading up to it uh, a few weeks ago, we were kind of watching information out of the State Department. It looked like we were okay where we were going. So uh, instead of throwing away all of the money and effort, went ahead and went on the trip and we're just very careful. And then when in the middle of the exactly? night, when did you leave? Um, that's a great question. What day did I leave? The 5th of March, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So after, uh, we knew that there were cases in Italy, but, um, the word that we were getting out of the state department was that as long as you weren't going to that area, you were okay. I was really Mm -hmm. excited about this trip, you know, like anyone would be who doesn't get to usually do this stuff. So I went and had tickets to museums and the Louvre closed, which was fine. I don't know if you've ever seen the Louvre, but it's enormous. It's it's like if you took all the Smithsonian's in the state in DC and shove them all into one, you know, all around the mall connected. It's enormous. Yeah, so, it's, like, it's um, almost like it's the largest museum in the world or something, right? It, almost. <laughs> it's almost like that. So anyway, so it was okay that I couldn't go there because I really didn't have time to enjoy it, right? right. So, so I thought, okay, uh, a friend got tickets to a walking food tour. Hmm. And um, in an old neighborhood in Paris, and it was just, and I got to go to Oxford and go to um, the Ashmole Museum and see they had gotten Rembrandts from all over the place, even private collections. I got to go see those. And so, yeah, it was, you know, I was so excited to go. And before I left, one of the friends that was part of this trip said, my only concern is that our government, while we're gone, is going to issue travel restrictions. And I thought, okay, we'll keep an eye out for it. And I signed up for State Department notifications and followed them on Twitter. And I thought, yeah, I'll know what's going on. And it turns out I didn't. So (laughs) (laughs) I started out in London and then went to Oxford. 
can't recommend it enough. I actually, all the, there were all these children in London on the train system, the underground train system mm-hmm. there in their little, uh, in their blazers from school with their crests on them. Yeah. And I took pictures and sent them to my own children and said, see the children in London are um are all like Harry Potter children. <laughs> oh right, because they because they wear <laughs> and they're the uniforms. riding the trains and they're um wearing all of this stuff and they're well behaved and I was hoping that it would um <laughs> I can hear my own kids right now. I was oh, hoping good. that it would inspire my children to like you know be well behaved and independent just by sending like them Harry pictures Potter and, of yeah. all of these children on the trains. And um, so, I really wish anyway, our listeners was, could see the video right now. <laughs> of me throwing the video, a pen. The video is awesome. It's hard to work from home with your kids home. We have to be able to laugh right now. Pause in this story. It is hard to work from home and have your kids at home, is it not? Like, we can all feel this right now. Every parent right now. One of my friends said on Facebook the other day, Alexa, please homeschool the kids. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and we, you know, and I know that you have two kids. We have one, and and our our daughter is in seventh grade and is pretty self sufficient. I know you, I think, have a sixth and a fourth grader mm-hmm. or close. Mm-hmm. Sixth and um, fourth, and they're obviously self sufficient as well. But yeah, it's there's still there's just that factor of being on top of each other for twenty four seven. That uh, I'm not the most patient person to begin with, so that <laughs> that, has, that has led to some adjustments. But since you said that, and since everybody is home, now would probably be a good time to take a quick pause and let everyone know about our show partner, which is Audible. If you're not familiar with Audible, Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs, news, business, and self-development. Audible helps people get more stories and information through the gift of found time, which we all have quite a bit of right now. So Um, Why don't you use your newfound time to learn something new, share some cool content with your family, or relieve stress by enjoying thousands of Audible titles. And to get a free trial today, please visit audibletrial.com backslash Katie and me podcast. And Katie is always spelled K-A-T-Y. So with that, Katie, why don't you pick back up now that we've commiserated on homeschooling and being close to our children 24-7, take us back to the streets of London and France. Okay, so so I don't know what I would do without Audible right now. I don't know what anyone's doing without Audible right now. I even listened to it when I was, I mean, just flying across the Atlantic, I listened to an audiobook. Treat. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So London and Oxford and having this fabulous time, and I get on the train to go to Paris and get settled in. And um, by the way, used hotel points, a friend nice. of mine did, to get a really sweet room. <laughs> and um, right on the river. And it was it was incredible. And that night, that was Wednesday night. So I guess it was 3 a.m. Paris time, Thursday morning, that um, the U.S. president, that Trump gave a speech and said in his speech that he was shutting down all travel back and forth between Europe and the U.S. via Friday. And I think quickly after that, you got a number of texts from me. Oh, my saying, gosh. So hey. my phone blew up. Yeah. My, <laughs> my phone absolutely blew up. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm exhausted. Like, it's just, it's been a whirlwind, and the phone goes crazy. So the first call is to the airline, and uh, which was a American-British Air joint venture. Um, yep. And... 
and called and they had no idea. They had gotten no notice to any of this. They had no idea what was going on. And they were so nice, but they were so confused and got put on hold and, you know, go to a manager. And they said, listen, from what we can tell, this is not going to apply to U.S. passport holders. It's not going to apply to citizens. And it was supposed to be enacted Friday. So they weren't going to change the ticket. Um, Because at first, the announcement that I saw was that it would go into a place it would go into place except for Great Britain and, and mm-hmm. Ireland. Exactly. And at that exactly. time, I, I thought that I knew that you were already in France or were on your way mm-hmm. to France. And so mm-hmm. obviously with the time difference, and I don't sleep anyway, I'm texting you. I'm like, hey, did you hear this? You know, what does right. that mean for you, et cetera? And right. you were like, hey, the State Department says that it probably won't apply to U.S. passport holders. Mm-hmm. But I, I distinctly remember when you told me this story that, even the airlines were like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't know what was going on yeah. either. They, they were getting the information from, you know, television and the speech as well. I found that, I found that to be worrisome mm-hmm. and, and troubling. It felt like to me, uh, me as someone who prides himself on transparent communication and recognizes when I fail in proper communication, <laughs> I thought that that was, that made, that gave me anxiety. Right. So I had anxiety for you. Because if I were in that situation, I'd been like, what's going on here? How come the airlines don't know about this? So right. um, i just trying to paint the picture because I remember I was like, you were there, but I was still feeling your stress. No, I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that. And I think, I think my family members were as well and sure. a lot of people that contacted me. And, but once the airline you know, had kind of built an opinion, so, okay, well, I'm going to fly out on Saturday and I'm on British Air and I'm going through Heathrow in London. Mm-hmm. And so we think this is okay. Mm-hmm. And I have to operate under this because I don't have the kind of cash to just buy an impromptu ticket from Paris back to the U S on short notice. Right. And so, um, so yeah, so I had an incredible time in Paris. I I'll tell you what, of course it's expensive to live there because sure. if it wasn't, most of us would live there. <laughs> like, right. Oh my gosh. It's stunning. And I will go back every opportunity I get. So I, I lived in England for a while, but it was before the channel was built. And so uh, I just I ended up not having time to get to, to Paris or to France. What were the people like? I, I've always been curious because I've heard mixed things. Uh, I mean, you're pretty worldly, so you probably fit in. I would probably stand out as a little bit too American, unfortunately. But no, I'm just curious, no. like, how, how was your, re- like, you know, how was your interactions with people there? I have also always kind of heard things about French people and the differences in their temperament and personality and kind of social consciousness than our own. And I did not see it. They were incredible. They were welcoming and kind. I wasn't just in tourist areas. I mean, there's basic things that you learn whenever you go to any other culture, even another Western culture, there's basic things you learn. Um, One of the things that I knew ahead of time and had been reiterated to me when I got there was that it's important that you make some eye contact and acknowledge other humans when you walk into a shop or when you walk into a restaurant or whatever, and you say bonjour, or, Mm -hmm. you know, you just, just acknowledge them. Whereas, um, you know, frequently over here, we just walk in and browse and that would be rude and you don't do it. And it becomes habit in like 30 seconds. You just, Oh, okay. This is what I do here. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's, there's very basic things to say. It sounds pretty Midwest. I mean, I, I'm always like chit chatting everybody anyway. I feel like that, that's kind of the the personality of most Midwesterners. Yeah. Yeah. Although I know they were, they were very friendly. They would would probably still like me. Hopefully. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They were very friendly. They appreciated any attempt at communicating with them in French. 
you know, whether it's on a menu or whatever. Right. But yeah, it's true that a lot of people in the Western world speak English. And yeah. so you make an attempt and you kind of communicate, but they can fill in the gaps a lot of the time. And it was an amazing experience. I really, I really just want to go back a thousand times. So it was sad to leave and I got to eat all this incredible food and I had great company. Oh, I went on a devour tour and I really want to throw like just a, a recommendation to everyone who listens. Mm-hmm. If you go to Paris or different parts of Spain or anywhere else they operate, take a devour tour. If you care at all about history or food, it's okay. a walking tour. It's in small groups. They go to culturally significant food stops, you sample things all around, you learn things. It was my favorite way to see a city. I would love to do it in the States someday, but I don't know that our history runs deep enough to really make it as cool as it was in Paris. But yeah, it was a really wonderful experience. And I get on the plane and I'm taking like a a puddle jumper back to Heathrow from Paris on a British airliner, go through the the normal stuff at Heathrow from what I understand, Mm -hmm. get on the flight. It's my birthday. I get on the flight back to O'Hare, Chicago. Mm-hmm. And and this is where the fun begins. Well, no, this is, well, this is where the fun begins, but not the bad fun. This is the good fun. I've been upgraded to like business class and I have a sleeping pod, like a bed and there's champagne and high tea and vegetarian meals. And I'm being weighted on hand and foot. And I thought, oh my God, like there's something beyond this. Like there's first class beyond this. What is that? A spa day? I don't understand. Yeah. I've never experienced this in my life. I frequently fly in seats that are about eight inches wide. Yeah. And my knees are bent underneath me, like in a crouched position. And there are huge people sweating on me. Like I have never flown in comfort before. This trip was unbelievable. I, I had a that- full bed. Like I could lay out flat. <laughs> I didn't know that you were so high class, Katie. I, I don't know. If I am not. I think it was pity because of my birthday, and they had some room because of all the drama. Anyway, so- that is pretty cool. I've never, I've never slept in one of those. I've oh sat God. in first class before, but it was like a ninety-minute flight from Chicago to Indianapolis. Uh, I've never had this. I flight discount. Situation. Yeah, I fly yeah. discount around the U.S. Okay, if that tells you anything. So sure. having a woman before takeoff say, "Would you like a hot towel and champagne?" I was like, "I don't know what to do." <laughs> Really well, it was good that you got that pampering because then you landed in O'Hare and then I uh, that's when we saw you all over the news, right? Yes. That's when you saw me all over it in the news. So we got off the plane apparently right after they were told no one could leave O'Hare without a screening. I got off the plane in the international uh, Just terminal. to be clear, a, uh, a coronavirus screening, uh, right? Yeah. COVID-19 yeah, screening, COVID-19, which consists yeah. of taking your temperature. We'll get to that. So I get off the plane and I go through, I think it's terminal five. It's the international terminal and I get on an escalator. And once I'm on the escalator, I see that the entire huge hallway is just packed with humans and their luggage. And it's a mass of humanity. I saw the picture. It is. It is. It's, it was I've never seen anything like it. I mean, I've been to O'Hare before, but right. I've been, I, and I've regularly flown in and out of Atlanta at Harsfield and it was yep. just not, um, it, I can't explain it. And I got down to the end of the escalator and was able to make room, but the escalator kept running and people couldn't see what was happening until they were already on it. So it was like a a pile up, right? It was just like a pile up. The hallways packed and all this, you know, all everyone's carry on and there were dogs and children and pregnant people and wheelchairs. It was just insanity. And there's just all these people. And someone finally yells to shut off the escalator. 
because people are piling up and now there's nowhere to go. Right. And it just got really weird for a few minutes. We had no idea what was happening. And I started taking pictures because yep. when something's weird, document it. I can't stress that enough. Document it. And I took the pictures and I put them on Twitter and I like tagged, I think WGN in Chicago, uh-huh. right? I grew up listening to WGN and maybe another station. I tagged them on Twitter and I don't have a big Twitter presence. I'm kind of private on Twitter because I'm there to like learn things and follow certain groups. Yep. And so I, I've generally kept to myself. I don't think I have a thousand followers on Twitter and I'm, but I'm sent, I'm putting out these pictures. I'm like, something is wrong. This is a failure at O'Hare. I am now smashed up against people from all over the world and the planes keep coming and they keep letting people off those planes. And we're just piling up, filling this building and there's nowhere to go and we don't know anything. And And, and can um, I just interrupt for a second? Yeah, please. Because I think it's important to to point out here that obviously I follow you on Twitter and you and I were in communications um, via text and you were sending me some of those pictures. But just to reset here, you know, a couple days ago, it had been announced by the president that they were going to cease arriving flights due to trying to stem the tide of coronavirus. And they were starting to talk about implementing social distancing. And there were already some people that were starting to close businesses and the shuttering down had begun. Here you are, you're sending me pictures where it is, it looks like you're at a concert or entering, you know, a a major sporting event. It is elbow to elbow, shoulder Mm -hmm. to shoulder. Everyone's Mm -hmm. on top of each other. No one has masks, which we know we, you know, are short anyway. So, but it, and and there, what there didn't seem to be out of all the pictures that you took and sent, there didn't seem to be any preparation, anyone providing like any information. And it's probably because they, you know, they were overrun and, and, and didn't have time to, to facilitate that. But it was, again, I'm a, I'm a stressful type person when things change and, when I'm in a situation that I know is probably not ideal. (laughs) So I was looking at that and I was getting very claustrophobic and nervous for you, especially knowing that this was in response to, you know, coronavirus stuff. So it kind of freaked me out and I was just looking at it from your pictures of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the initial reaction of everyone, we realized that we were in the international terminal. Right. That we were coming in from all yeah. over and that planes were still unloading people behind us. And we all start talking and the conversation is, well, I was careful and don't think I was exposed. I tried not to be exposed, but now I'm helpless. Now right. I've been stuck in this space. And it was, it was really scary. I'm on like day 10 of quarantine right now mm-hmm. because of this experience. So uh, not to spoil the ending, but yeah, so we, we go along and just over an hour in, someone comes along and starts yelling uh, that everyone coming from Mexico can follow them along the mm-hmm. wall and leave. So anywhere in Mexico, which apparently, you know, was not a concern, but now these people have been with us for a while. Right. So, right? They, so I mean, we're sharing, we're right. sharing our germs. So they get to go. And then someone comes along and says, you need to take these paper customs reporting forms. And I don't know when the last time you did this was, but we've switched over to the kiosks, right? Yeah. So yeah. now we're doing the paper forms and, and he was, adamant. If you don't have this form, you're not going anywhere. Okay. So we fill out the forms and everyone's kind of scrambling. And, um, then I, I don't know how long in anymore, but a ways in a really great guy who said he was a former drill sergeant. Um, he was with customs and immigration and he came down and he, he bellowed his announcement. Apparently the PA was not an option and he bellowed and, and I quote, this sucks is what he said. It sucks for us too. We all know this sucks. 
we can't let you out of here until you've been screened. This is no longer verbatim. We can't let you out of here until you've been screened. You're going to go through two customs and immigration checks, and then you're going to go through a CDC check. This is a long line. You're going to be here a while. Really? And you had already been there a couple hours. Yeah, we'd already been there yeah, an yeah. hour to two hours and, yeah. and without a lot of information. And everyone is just going on like, I didn't want to be crammed in a space with a bunch, you know, and, right. and it was alarming. And so we go through at some point an hour later, someone hands out water mm-hmm. to those who want it. Uh, there was a box of Cheez-Its handed out at some point, sample size Cheez-Its that very few people got. And there was water later in the process. There was no sanitizer. There were four stalls in the women's restroom. Could have been five. I could be wrong on that. But I mean, just for thousands of people, I can't right. explain to you. People were in this thing. And so we go through and we, after a couple hours, we get to the first immigration check. Um, we've been handed a paper that asks us what our flight was, where we're coming from, and three questions about how we feel. This big white paper. Okay. And at this point- But wait a minute. Orders, hold on. Hold on. Hold yeah. on. I just want to make sure that I'm capturing this. So the <laughs> part part of the part of the health screen is it sounds to me it's almost like the, the very beginning of, of triage. But we now know that coronavirus you could have the symptoms for up to two or three weeks and not and not even know it and not feel any symptoms, right? You you could you could be contagious. Sorry, yeah, for a couple yeah, you could, weeks. You could be contagious and for a not have weeks. symptoms and not know it. That's so right. that so they're getting ready to then ask you questions about how you feel, and then that was going to be part of the screening process about whether or not they were going to let you leave or not. <laughs> right. So okay. here's and and I don't know if it's about letting us leave or if it's just about tracking us. I I I'll explain this in a little bit, but everyone around us was like, first of all, we're now exposed. There's right. just no way that there's 20 flights in here from around the world and no one's got this. And second who the hell is going to say they don't feel well at this point? People are like passing out ibuprofen to make sure they don't have a fever. I mean, it's just like, we want out of this building. Yeah. You know, there's people, there's 80 year olds in wheelchairs going through this process (sighs) with us. There's people with dogs who had been like staying overseas long-term and had been ordered home with pets. There's pregnant women and people with infants. And I mean, I cannot tell you, like I was in the best possible scenario because O'Hare was my final destination. Getting out of this building was freedom for me. But there were people who needed to go to all different parts of the country because there's only 12 airports at this point taking people from overseas because of all of this. I mean, it was, I'll save the worst of it for the Patreon version of the podcast. Okay. But yeah, they clearly didn't have enough information or enough notice. And the staff was wonderful. I got to say, like the people we talked to, they were in the same boat we were in. They had little notice. They were understaffed. They were trying to manage a situation that had been tossed at them. And so all the empathy in the world between everyone, it was great that way. We talked to people around us. There were amazing people around us. There were athletes, musicians, and students. Some of them were studying overseas and their school said, go home. And some Mm -hmm. of them, their parents heard this and said, we're going to spend a fortune, take this ticket and get on a plane, right? I mean, it was, it was a very mixed group. There were retirees who were in parts of the world that should not have been an issue, but they had been sent and stuck in this pool with the rest of us, right? So it was, it was um, four and a half hours later, we go through, we go through the first check at a covers, the next check two hours later, and after we get our temperature taken, they take our white paper that says we don't feel well or we do feel well, and they let us loose into Chicago, into a United States that does not have 
test to follow so, this. So, uh, would you say that the ballpark and, and I consider you to have journalistic integrity because I know you've written articles and stuff before and don't don't like cloud the facts. I think you're 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 very truthful in your reporting. What would you say the percentage of people that you were with, so that mass of humanity, were just kind of let into the streets of Chicago. 75%, 80%, 85%. Did you see, let me phrase it differently. Did you see many people that were being detained out of concern for potential coronavirus? No, no, I did not. Um, but I don't know how I could have gauged that because of the way it was designed. Gotcha. So there were people taken back behind um, in a space we couldn't see into, but we were already in the custom space where you can't have a cell phone. Oh, so there's no right. way to really document or track anything. So, um, That's yeah, fair. there I, I were, just was there curious were, if you saw like yeah. a mass exodus of people being detained or not, but yeah. if it, if it was just kind of one giant funnel, it might've been hard to, to gauge that. It was, it was. And, and like I said, the customs and immigration people, were exhausted and overworked and surprised. And the CDC people were in the same boat. They're like, you know, and here's the weird thing. So they take your temperature yes, and then scan, they say, scan. skip forehead scan. And you could tell this had been sprung on everyone, which is really kind of the point of it. Like without notice and without pre-planning and things were sprung on everyone involved that put us at greater risk. And the point of the entire situation that needs to be shared and that I shared on all those media outlets is that it didn't matter how careful we were because when we came home, we were put at great risk and exposed to everyone else. In the end, they took our temperature and they said, if you would like to voluntarily quarantine for 90 days, Nothing about the 14 we kept hearing in the news. 90 days, you can, but it's not mandatory. Goodbye. And that was a kind of uh, huge flag for me that not everyone was on the same page. Maybe we didn't have a coherent plan and um, I felt very at risk. So I am 10 days into my quarantine. And what you said earlier, um, and I do want to get to a couple other things here, but still try and stick to our 30-minute time frame. You know, you mentioned that O'Hare is one of 12 airports that was receiving international travelers. So, you know, I know O'Hare is a massive hub for international travel, Mm -hmm. but you have to think that this was similar because it wasn't like O'Hare had plenty of time and just ignored the order. Everything was happening so quickly that you have to think that this was probably something that occurred in some of these other locations as well. And actually it was. So that was the thing that I found out. Um, I spent two days communicating with a reporter from the AP. I was on um, BBC NewsHour, NBC, CNN, Morning Edition on NPR. I was on all of this. And there was a lot of text communication with everyone and, and on Twitter. I mean, that was a viral Twitter post. And what I found out was Houston was a mess. There were, it wasn't just, um, Atlanta is still apparently kind of a mess. So it wasn't just O'Hare, but this was all very spur of the moment. And you know what I want to tell our listeners is document things, Mm -hmm. you know, document it, take the pictures, send them out, make sure people know what's going on. Be prepared with your phone because we absolutely should be calling out when 
there are these kinds of mistakes or errors or misjudgments being made. Massive we need to understand. Yeah. Massive inefficiencies. Yeah. And I know that you, you'd mentioned this. We will get into this in a little bit of a deeper dive on our Patreon channel. So we do um, some bonus content every month on Patreon. If you're interested in hearing additional editorials and comments related to this, please check out the KDME podcast on Patreon and Patreon is P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And uh, there's an opportunity to become a patron and get some premium content from us. That all being said, Katie, we're, we're coming up on 30 minutes and, and obviously there's a lot more to unpack here. And I think we'll do that here in the premium episode. But is there anything, I mean, you mentioned that, you know, be diligent, take pictures. Is there any other action item or anything else that you kind of want to leave us with as we, as we wrap up this topic? You know, that's the key thing is that we all need to be paying attention. It's up to all of us to report what we're experiencing and not all of it is significant, but occasionally it is. And if no one says anything, we're not going to know it. That was the thing that stunned me. I was there with thousands of people. Everyone's taking video and pictures, but you know, no one was being notified. And so that's really critical. And uh, the other thing is, you know, don't rely on the state department when you're traveling overseas they won't necessarily have the information necessary to keep you safe and to keep you up to date. And so you need to find alternative sources of information there. You need to be your own, your own, your own support system, your own yeah. detective. Yeah. Well, Katie, I know I'm glad that you're back. I'm sure your kids are <laughs> glad that you're back. <laughs> um, all your friends and family are glad that you're back from someone who's worked with you the last couple of years. I am appreciative that was that it was you that was in the situation only because uh, I knew that you would do a really good job of kind of capturing everything that was going on and really be able to provide some significant insight. So selfishly, I, I, it was kind of cool. But then also from a personal a personal side and you being my friend, uh, I was very much stressed and worried about you and wanted to make sure that you got back safely. So I'm glad Thanks, that you are back and uh, we're able to continue to do these podcasts. Thanks, so Chris. with that, thank you, Katie, for your story and look for more information from us on our upcoming Patreon episode.